Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yay, Dragon Talk! Woo-hoo! This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I am Greg Tito, and as always, I'm joined by the amazing Shelly Mazanoble. Hi, Greg. How are you? I'm doing good. Do you like how I always change up how I introduce you so it yes. always keeps you on your toes? I never know who I'm going to be. Today, I'm amazing. You are amazing. Which is nice intro because uh, this is going to be the first podcast my dad listens to. So, hi, dad. You're blushing. Call call you later. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Why is that, Shelly? Because he's really excited about our guest today, who is a fullback for the Cleveland Browns, Johnny Stanton. And Uh, my dad doesn't believe that football players play Dungeons and Dragons. Well, we have verifiable proof, hopefully, that at least three play Dungeons and Dragons. He actually said, like, probably the most daddish thing a dad can say when I told him, like, get this. Oh, my gosh. Johnny Stanton from the Browns is a D&D player, and he plays with some of his teammates. My dad's response was, well, I'll be damned. <laughs> <laughs> That is the most boomerish thing to say. That is like the most boomer dad. Yeah. Dad is kind of like, well, I'll be damned. (laughs) I've never heard. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) The Dungeons and the Dragons. Oh, that's so cool. Well, I uh, am very excited to pick the brain of Johnny Stanton. It's such a, you know, old uh, idea that people who are athletes. Don't and love, uh, you know, the more Nerd dorky culture. things that we are now. But, you know, all those barriers are breaking down. And totally. that's what Dragon Talk has been about since day one. Yes. Yes. So worlds colliding all over the place. And Johnny, I, I don't have proof of this, but he just seems like a really nice guy from the social medias. Oh, just, yeah. Right. You know, um, and so. he's a fullback, too, which is like such a, 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 an important uh, position for just you know getting through so what he's going to do is he's going to break that barrier just like he broke through the defensive yes. line to score a touchdown the figurative and the literal barriers all yeah. coming down it's a true circle it really yes, is absolutely well Fun. i'm also excited about our uh how to dm segment which may be a how not to dm segment okay how fun is this uh, yes, I am going to get to talk with Derek from How Not to DM podcast because, um, like, we're we're basically doing the same thing here, right? Yeah. We're just trying to help people learn how to be uh, dungeon masters. But uh, he has really good advice. It's a very fun show if you haven't tuned in to that podcast because he's you know interviewing dungeon masters and they talk about their greatest and their not great moments. But it's all all under the guise of teaching people how to play D&D. So um, he's got some great tips for us. I'm really excited to chat more. Yeah, well, let's, let's give a little listen before we get to our interview with Johnny Stanton. Okay. Welcome to How to Be a DM. I have a very special guest. This is Derek from... How not to DM podcast. Um, 
How Not to DM podcast is such a cool concept. I love this. It's an interview. Derek brings on guests who are dungeon masters, and they talk about their greatest and their worst moments behind the screen. And there is really no better way to learn than from other people's successes and failures. So welcome, Derek. Thanks for having me, Shelley. Thanks so much. Yeah, uh, I didn't choose the name How Not to DM because of this segment, but it just so happens that it lines up really well. So here it's, we are. We are we are like kindred spirits. Yeah. So um, I think that it's yeah, and it's you know a topic that is very popular in helping people learn how to be dungeon masters. There's a lot of good advice out there, and I just. I love sharing it, and I love sharing the wisdom of other people. And you have collected a lot of wisdom from your podcast and your guests. Yeah, it's been so much fun. You know, the reason I started this show was because I loved watching streams and listening to to podcasts of actual plays and picking up on the little things that, that my favorite DMs did here and there. And I thought, you know, are those intentional? Like, is this something they're thinking about beforehand, or is it on the spot? And what are some things they've done that they feel like they could learn from? And so I thought, why not get to the source and, and try to interview them and see what they say? So yeah, that's it's really the reason I started it. And uh, it's been awesome so far. Like you said, a lot of great advice I've collected and so many cool projects out there that people are working on too. Yeah. And there's so many different styles of dungeon mastering too. Like there's really no right way. Um but True. you you have you are coming to us today because you are, have compiled the top five, and I imagine this was not easy for you to whittle it down to five. But let's <laughs> the top five do's and don'ts of dungeon mastering because I love a list, and um, I'm really excited to dig into these. So let's jump in with your first don't, and this let's. one speaks near and dear to my heart. Don't plan too much. Yes, these are the top five according to me, so I'm sure there will be much debate about whether they are indeed the top five or not, but don't plan too much. And I know, Shelly, this one, like you said, is something you've struggled with. You've mentioned it on the show many, many, many times. Uh, yeah, and, and it's something that I learned in my first go at it too. You know, I had planned this whole big kind of three-shot game. Everyone was going to have a lot of fun. They were going to stop a cult from summoning a demon, you know, typical <laughs> D&D stuff. And the second encounter, uh, they go to the woods, they find this crazy dwarf who's one of the cult leaders. And instead of taking him in to custody, like they were supposed to do according to what I thought they would do, they did not. They sent him on a cart off into the, oh you know, the farmland. And there went half of the plot points I was supposed to do. And, you know, all of my carefully laid planning was out the window and it was a really valuable lesson I learned. Did you recover from that? Yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> I just, I'm sure they can remember the dumbfounded look on my face as they realized, you know, I had just shot, they just shot a huge hole in the bow of my ship and uh, you know, it, it's okay. Like I said, it was my first session ever. And so it's to be expected that you're going to make mistakes. And I did recover and everybody did have a lot of fun and that's what matters. Um, but yeah, don't plan too much. Don't get too too caught up in that kind of stuff. Uh, the the counterpoint, the, the first do is plan enough to make it work. Uh, and that's really a balance. 
And it's going to be different for everybody, right? Some people are going to want to take a lot of notes, have bullet points, have tons of uh, documents or, or apps they use to help track everything in their world. Other people may be a lot more manual. They may have just stuff on, on, a, on a sheet of paper or whatever. But uh, having enough plans to make it work to me means you've thought enough about your world, about the peoples in it, about all of the moving parts to kind of react in real time to the things your players are going to throw at you uh, instead of trying to think of every possible contingency because that's going to be a huge decision tree that you're creating for yourself that'll take way too much time and won't be any fun. So yeah, Shelly, what are your thoughts about planning too much versus, versus just enough? I'm okay. So I think I'm still trying to figure out the just enough part, yeah. but I have definitely stopped planning. Um, mm-hmm. And I think because I'm still so new and inexperienced and um, insecure that using published material is is for me. It's for yeah. me. Like it's just like I I will read ahead and try to like uh, fig- like see what monsters are going to appear and. I can kind of bookmark their pages in the monster manual, <laughs> but like that's yeah. that was it. That my my last go round with DMing was very little planning, very high success. Yeah, and, and it it really is about finding that balance. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with pre written modules. Uh, people love them, and I think it's kind of a an unspoken contract that your players kind of plan on following the story, and and that gives you a lot more wiggle room within the story to kind of test out what it's like to to uh, uh, improvise bits and uh, pieces here and there without having to try to make something up all yourself uh, all at once. So yeah, uh, that's uh, definitely an, a great way to kind of give yourself some more time. I've talked to plenty of dungeon masters who like running modules just because it means they don't have to do all the prep work and they can run more games or they can spend more time doing other things during the week instead of prepping. So that, yeah, totally nothing wrong with that. And that's a great way to kind of practice that planning. And it's still, it's not saying like you still have to like abide by word for word yeah. for word. Like it's just, for me, it gives me enough of a foundation that I feel like uh, more confidence in veering off a little and doing mm-hmm. a little of that improv, but I still know I can come back to the words on the page if I if things start getting a little crazy for me. Yeah, definitely. That's what all of those uh, hardworking game designers have been doing this whole time is to try to make it easy for you to do that, right? We do appreciate it. And I think part of it also is, and I've learned this from this this very segment, is that you, as a dungeon master, give yourself permission to like go away from the story and just like be fully, just go into it expecting like, like I got some ideas in my back pocket. I kind of have an idea of where it's going to go. But make yourself excited about the fact that it's probably not going to go that way and that's good for you <laughs> as a like just just trick your mind into believing like I want them to totally surprise me. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. Uh some of our later points kind of tie into this, but I think also knowing what your players are are interested in helps with the planning versus not planning too. If you plan some stuff that you know your players are going to like, chances are they're going to bite, you know, and they're going to take that bait and and go do that thing. You know, they're interested in a giant tavern brawl and, you know, a a stool flies through a glass window while they're walking down the street. That's a signal for them to go in and and have that kind of fun they're looking for. Or they want to uncover some ancient secret. You know, you're going to, you're going to seed your, your plot with, um, 
different clues that that'll lead them to something they're they're interested in. So yeah, planning also kind of leans on on that piece as well. But we'll we'll get into that in a bit. Okay. Well, I, this next don't um, is all, like I can feel myself getting anxious seeing this. <laughs> it kind of goes with the first one, but you're saying ditch organization or don't. Yeah, I'm ditch. saying don't, don't ditch. ditch organization. Yeah. Yeah. What? Okay, yes. Please. It feels like that's an important yeah. part of uh, being a dungeon master. Yeah, it is. And organization to me is different from planning. Um, when I think about planning, I think about the prep work that goes into running the game. Uh, when I think about organization, um, I'm kind of thinking more about running the game organization. So while you are running the game, how do you organize things in front of you? You know, if you're running on a VTT, do you have all of your tabs open that you need? If you're at home, do you have all of the books that you're going to need and all of that stuff? Um, so that's one part of it. But the second part is uh, taking your your notes and that kind of thing. If you, um, you know, when you're in the middle of the game, and I do this all the time, when you're making stuff up, that you haven't thought of before. Your players ask a question, they go try to find an NPC that doesn't exist, and you have to make something up and give them some information, uh, and you don't write that down and keep track of it, uh, that's disorganized, and then you're going to run into problems later. And this happens to me too much. Uh, I'm working on it. So this is one of the reasons why it's on my list is because I know I'm bad at it. Uh, Yeah, I, I make up stuff all the time. I forget my players are like, so what about this this person? Or what about this this thing we were supposed to go do? And I think to myself, oh, right. I forgot that I told you that three weeks ago. You know, I didn't write it down. I'm not organized enough to be tracking it. And then it kind of goes by the wayside, breaks immersion a little bit. Your players usually should be forgiving about that kind of stuff. But if you're more organized, you appear more organized, uh, easier to kind of um, play the game and, and have fun together that way. So that's kind of what I mean by ditching organization. What do, what do you think about that? Yes. Um, yeah. And yes, and again, probably a fine line, but because some t- I feel like that can veer into like the being too planny and too prepared. But yeah. there, like you're right, there, there are tools out there that will help you, like whether they're just like, your own tabs on pages of your own books or whatever. Um, there are tools out there and just make sure that they are there doing what they're meant to do at your disposal. And I think also like re- when you're talking about an NPC that comes into the story or a letter that a player finds. And then like, mm. if you forget to bring a it book. up again, like yeah, it's, yeah. it is kind of like a want want for the player. Like I'm in. I'm kind of invested in where the story's going, and you mean to tell me you forgot? <laughs> like, right. you, you don't even remember saying it to me. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's stressful and it's kind of embarrassing. You're like, oh yeah, that it was happens. important to them, and I and I forgot. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Um, but but yeah, I, I guess it's kind of just making sure your pendulum doesn't swing too far from not planning at all and not yeah. being organized at all to um, planning too much. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just just make sure you're not. If you're flying by the seat of your pants, you're you're kind of making sure that you keep track of it later. And that takes us to the do, which is yes. take good session notes. And I'm talking right as everyone's packing up all of their stuff or saying goodbye on Zoom or Discord or whatever. Make those bullet points of of exactly what you were saying. Oh, I gave so and so this letter. So and so is looking for this book. 
they're going to try to talk to this NPC or this, this person revealed this big secret. Keep those bullet points ready. And then when you're going into prep for next session, you just look through that list. Oh, yeah, this is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened. And you are ready to kind of prep what's going to happen next. Uh, one thing that, that I've found is really helpful is to text your players. I've got a group chat with all my players. We're sending memes. We're, you know, making jokes. Uh, but that's where we're tracking when we're going to play next and that kind of thing. But every week, a few days before we're going to play, I'll send out a text and say, all right, who can recap what happened last time? And, you know, what are, what are you all planning to do next time? And that helps me steer my prep and, and kind of track that stuff way better too. So that helps oh. uh, me supplement my notes. And that's a huge way that you can remember what your players remember. Hey, this is the stuff that was important to them. This is what they're planning to do next. I don't have to try to think of 10 different things that they might go try to do. I know exactly what they're going to go do. That's yeah. really interesting. Like ask, actually asking the players what yeah. their intentions are. Mm -hmm. That seems like, I mean, a no-brainer. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'd love to know what you guys are thinking. And again, yeah. it doesn't always have to be exactly that by the book. But just if if a player mentions, like, I'm really interested in finding this book. I think that possibly this book belonged to my family and there's yeah. information in there that I want, I need. Then, okay, cool. You can add a little element of that to your your next session. Or yeah. not. And I, I find it helps keep me honest in that way. So uh, I'm sure they probably have a group chat without me where they're plotting my demise. And that's, <laughs> that is what it is. But at least they tell me kind of what they're planning on doing. So yeah, okay. big, big tip that, to help supplement your planning and notes there. And I think you said something else that's really valuable about notes that stood out to me. And that is bullets. This doesn't mm. have to be like a full, like, like prose, you know, like page after page. You're not going to publish this. It's not going to be, you know, turned into a novel, maybe one day. But in most right. cases, these are really just a reminder of where the story's going. Just some bullet points and definitely do it as quickly after the game as you can. Because if you're like me, you those memories will be gone, gone, gone. Uh, yes. And me. Yeah. So yeah. I love it. I love the idea of the group text. I love the idea of uh, just... You know, the bullets for you to remember what, what you actually promised and what's coming up. Coming up. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. The next one, oh the, the third don't. Don't jump in without setting expectations. This is a biggie. It is. Uh, and I think it can be as heavy or as, or as light as you want, but uh, setting expectations is a really great way to make sure that everyone has fun in your game, uh, regardless of what you're doing. And expectations, it's such a broad statement, right? You can talk about what kind of game they want to do. And even more specific, like what do they want to accomplish in this game? Uh, and then, you know, what kind of development do they want their character to, to go through? Uh, what what stuff do they not want to do or not want to encounter? Um, and there's tons of other things that, that you can kind of, kind of put under this umbrella of expectations. But I think that, number one, there's a lot of good tools out there about kind of how to, how to whittle that stuff down um, before you start with your session zero or something like that. But number two, um, yeah, uh, with the right expectations, that's how all of you are going to make sure that you enjoy the game together. Yeah. So are you doing this 
and a session zero? Do you have other means of, of how you set these expectations? Uh, so yeah, I, I would suggest the session zero. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of different tools out there. There's people who've put stuff together for free. Um, there's, there's some official content you can kind of go, kind of go and use the, for setting specific expectations. But yeah, this is something I do before you even start the game. Cause you know, sometimes there are going to be some of the people you want to play with who are much more interested in a serious or a dark or a, you know, whatever it might be game. And some who are interested in just rolling dice and having fun, don't want to take it too seriously. Um, And, you know, everywhere in between, there's tons of different types of games people run, tons of different types of players and, and stuff that they want to do. Some people just want to hack and slash. Some people want to just do role play. You know, they're all about the intrigue and the, and the back and forth. Uh, and kind of figuring out what types of games everyone's interested in running can help you narrow down what you're all interested in together and what sounds most fun for you to run uh, so that all of you can be enjoying the game together. Um, so yeah, it's it can be tricky. Uh, I haven't had a ton of issues thus far. I do have a few different kind of types of players in, in the games that I've run before. Um, but... Yeah, it, it takes a little bit of balancing, but you can definitely make sure to kind of give everybody a chance to do the thing they're interested in doing, give everybody a spotlight, um, uh, opportunities to do stuff their character's good at, or um, you know, follow plot points from their backstory, that kind of thing. Um, and that's that's really what helps make them have the most fun possible. So yeah, it, it's really about that kind of before the game even starts, make sure you're all aligned and then you can avoid a lot of those bigger issues later on. Yeah. I think it's exceptionally important. Well, I think it's important for all groups, no matter what, but exceptionally important for new players that really don't know what to expect. Yes. Very true. Yeah. All right. So what's our counterpoint? What do you have? The counterpoint is to know your players, know their characters and know their expectations. Uh, sometimes, like you said, you, you may have new players who just have no idea what to expect. Uh, and in that case, I would just do a one-shot and give them some pre-generated characters, like you said. Uh, you know, just do something quick and fun uh, that they can enjoy. And if they don't like it, then they don't. Um, and they do like it, then great. You've got another player you've converted to uh, this glorious thing we call D&D. Uh, so... Yeah, and and I feel like in those first games that you play with someone, you can kind of whittle down or narrow down what they're interested in just based on what they like engaging with. If you kind of try to mix a little bit of everything into your one shot and see what they like the best, then, you know, they'll know in the future, oh, I liked this thing, but I didn't like that thing. And it's easier to kind of help them figure out what they're interested in doing um, for for future games you want to play with them. Um, Yeah, uh, it, it helps that a lot of my players are family members and friends of mine from college or whatever. Uh, so I've known all of them a long time and, and, and know them well enough that, that I can kind of uh, figure out what they're wanting ahead of time. But I've played games with people online who I've never met in person um, as a player mostly, but uh, they, you know, they have to kind of get to know me and get to know what I want to do via the internet. And it can be tough, uh, but it definitely is possible. Very important. Um, all right. I, this is a, this next one I think is, is good for everybody in all aspects of your life, not just dungeon mastering, but I could feel that this could be a tough one for, for the over, 
planning over prepared dungeon masters. <laughs> or the underprepared ones too. Oh, Anyone yeah. can can have this. So the, this fourth one is don't reject feedback. Uh, and like you said, this is good for all aspects of your life. So if you can learn how to do this, or if you already know how to do this, then fantastic. You're going to go far, kid. Yeah. Uh, so whenever a player gives you feedback, good or bad, it's really them telling you what was and wasn't fun for them, what was and wasn't a good time. Um, and it's really something to be cherished, uh, even if it's negative to me, because that gives you a very good window into what their expectations are, into what they find fun and what they don't find fun. And so if it's, if it's negative, then it helps you learn and grow. Uh, this kind of gets back to the how not to DM part, right? Um, a, lot of, a lot of the stories people have told on my show about mistakes they've made, usually they can tell they've made a mistake right away or within a few minutes. Um, but sometimes it's something that you do or say and you don't know it was a problem until someone brings it up to you later on and you have to realize, oh, you know, I should have set some better expectations or I should have seen if this was a, something appropriate to bring up in this game or in this setting uh, with this group of people. Uh, and it can be a tough lesson to learn. You know, I've had a few people tell really heart-wrenching stories on my show about problems that happened in their games because... Um, of mistakes they made. And when they got the feedback, they realized just how hard it was for the player to give it and, you know, really made sure to take it to heart and to use it in the future so that they didn't uh, cause those kinds of problems and mistakes again. I'm trying not to reveal too much here just because some of it's personal stuff, but mm -hmm. you know, uh, yeah, it's, it can be tough. Uh, on the flip side, Good feedback is great as well because when they give you good feedback, you know, when everyone is cheering or when they're high-fiving or when they send you that text after that said, wow, that was so fun. I had a great time. Uh, that's the good feedback and, and you should use that just as much and take note of that. What did we do? You know, what, what do you think they had so much fun doing? How can I replicate that in the future? You don't want to do the same exact scenario, but how can I do stuff like that that's going to keep everybody engaged and interested and having a ton of fun. Um, so yeah, that, that's, uh, that's really what feedback's about for me. Feedback in all, like for everybody, it doesn't matter. You could have nine players say, you're the greatest dungeon master I've ever played with in my entire life. And one that's mm -hmm. like, meh, you're average. You will focus <laughs> yeah. on the average comment. And, you, and it's just, so you go into it with the mindset that it's really meant to to help mm. you to improve your skills and to just to make the game better and as a whole but um other than like receiving those texts where people say i love the game or like the high fives or you can just see the smiles and the laughs around the table mm. do you like actively solicit this feedback from your players what's the most um mm. like the most useful way of of actually doing that and and it, doing it in a way where the players feel like they can be honest if there were things yeah. that didn't work yeah it's a good question um the the way that i probably use the most is at, the more you run games, the more you're, you're uh, how do I phrase that? Um, the more comfortable you are running games, the less focused you are on like specific little things you're doing and the more you can kind of 
get a feel for what the table is feeling and get a feel for all of the different players and their their moods and their interest levels uh, while you're playing. And this just takes a little bit of time, but as you keep running games, you'll be able to pick up more and more on, hey, this player doesn't seem that engaged right now. And, you know, make a mental note of that or make a physical note of that so you don't forget. Uh, and, and th- you know, find a way to get in touch with them after and say, hey, I noticed that it seemed like you were having, or you weren't as having as much fun tonight, or you just seemed a little bit disengaged. You know, is everything okay? Number one, make sure that everything's okay with them personally, because maybe it's not you. Maybe it's not the game. Maybe they're otherwise engaged. Maybe they've got something on your mind. And it's a great opportunity to just be there as a friend. But if it's something that's part of the game, uh, you know, they they may open up to you and say, yeah, this thing... I don't know, I just didn't really care about it or so-and-so was kind of hogging the spotlight. You know, there's all sorts of different things that could be happening that cause them to be disinterested. But I think that that's another skill that is noticing when players are engaged or not and kind of figuring out how to either re-engage them uh, or after the point or after the game, uh, figuring out why and then trying to improve on that later as well. So yeah, that's kind of how I would proactively try to gather feedback. Um is when I when I physically can notice that something's up. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right, so what do, what do we do? Uh, what's the counterpoint here? The counterpoint is to watch other DMs, listen to other DMs, and get ideas from them on how to run your games too. So this is kind of like feedback, but instead of you reaching out to your players and figuring out what you could change, it's going out and finding the wealth of resources you've got at your fingertips and figuring out what other people are doing that you could incorporate in your games to make it even more fun, to make this part faster, to make this part more engaging for your players. There's so many resources out there. There's Dragon Talk podcast. There's mm-hmm. my podcast. There's, There's podcast. hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hours of YouTube videos. Um, there's blog articles. There's tons of stuff out there that can teach you whatever it is that you want to know about um, running games or or specific people's um, ideas about running games. Like I said, the way I started my show was noticing stuff that people did as DMs and saying, ooh, I want to try that. Ooh, I want to do that. You know, picking up on, on little things they did to help improve my game. And so the best way to not be stale in the way you run games is to always seek improvement. And um, the best way to do that is to learn from the best, I think. Definitely. I I mean, really the best and even the up and coming because yeah yeah there's everybody has a style everybody has their ideas and you never know where you're going to find that inspiration but that's really good advice you don't have to reinvent the wheel here like everything you need to know is is out there yeah and odds are that someone does something that you will like and that you will find useful you know i remember listening to the critical role and matt started doing like the getting initiatives in groups like, okay, who's above 20, who's 10 to 20 or whatever. And I was like, that is such a good idea. That makes it way faster to, to like write it down and get it in the right order. And I started doing it and boom, it made it way better. Uh, that's just like the first example I can think of off the top of my head of something I immediately adopted and was, was really impactful. Um, but there's tons of stuff that you can pick up on people doing. And like I said, as you run games more, you kind of recognize what, what the DMs are doing 
and you can kind of pick up on that stuff a little bit more uh, too. So, but yeah, so many great ideas. Uh, also steal from their stories and stuff too. You know, there's um, odds are that there's something out there that your players haven't watched or listened to that you could steal from and uh, make your games even more fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Take some of their NPCs or some of their totally know, monsters, whatever magic items. Yeah. Uh, there is no shortage of, of inspiration and fodder out there, for sure. No, there's new podcasts and streams every day. Every you know? day, yes. <laughs> there's like at least five that started since we started recording this segment. Probably, <laughs> probably. Oh my goodness. Okay, number five, our last one. This is, um, I'm embarrassed to say that I actually did once think Dungeon Masters were the adversary. Um, you're saying don't become the enemy of the players. Yeah, so this was some advice um, a specific guest gave, but I loved it so much that I have put it in my comprehensive list here. Um, yeah, becoming the enemy of the players, uh, I think that's that's anti the spirit of gaming in, in my mind, you know? Um, when I started playing D&D with my friends uh, and then soon after my coworkers, uh, it was it was us blowing off steam during lunch, having fun, you know? And to think like, to think that one of us would have been actively trying to, to destroy everybody else's plans or, or whatever, uh, it, it, I can see how some people might find it fun. But to me, um, the real point about uh, or the real point of gaming in general is to to enjoy the time you're spending together uh, and not get too competitive. You know, people say this all the time, but you can't win D and D. You know, right? And and if you're the DM, if you really wanted to, you would just say, "Well, the planet you're on, or whatever, explodes, and all of you die." You know, and if your goal is to kill all of your players, it's not that hard to do it in the snap of a finger. But what is the point? You know, what's the point of of that kind of adversarial um, play, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. So yeah, the, the, I think it's a big trap that, that DMs can fall into, especially because you're building the world or you're running the, the, the adventure they're running through and they keep killing your monsters <laughs> and your NPCs and the people you've spent so much time working on the creatures you've spent so much time building, you know, and, and it can get, it, it can be easy to let that get into your mind. Like I am trying to beat them and they're trying to beat me. Uh, and I think that's, yeah, I don't think that's really the point of the game. And so it's easy to fall into, but it's something you should avoid, uh, in my opinion. I th- I think so, too. Um, like you said, it, I feel like it does go against the spirit, especially of D&D being a collaborative game and the yeah. shared storytelling experience. But I have had my first, you know, a Dungeon Masters really early on, and they seem to really relish kicking our asses. and. Yeah. Which immediately put us on the defense. You know, we're like, oh, well, now we're going to kill your monsters. Or like, you're, you're coming for us, we're coming for you. And, it, and then playing with other dungeon masters that were like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that actually did hit you. And I'm like, <laughs> you're sorry? You don't want to hit me? It's so different, yeah. it, you know. Um, but yeah, like, we're here to have fun. We're here to tell the story together and work together and... I don't. The the thing I love about D and D is the collaboration. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that's helped me is to think of myself as someone who's like creating this giant elaborate puzzle for other people to solve. Uh, you know, 
if someone solves your puzzle, it's not a problem. You should congratulate them because, you know, they, they figured out whatever you've worked so hard on and, and are able to, you know, to solve it. And yeah, as a DM, it is easy to kind of slip into that. But, but I think that the more you focus on, we're telling the story together, like you said, it's collaborative. Um, the more you focus on making sure your players are enjoying themselves and that you're telling this great epic story of these heroes or, or whatever it is, I guess, you know, you don't have to be telling a heroic story. But to me, it's, it's about yeah. a group of heroes banding together and defeating evil or, or whatever it might be. And, and it should be something that you all enjoy together at the end. Uh, yeah, so the, the flip point of this, the last one, the fifth do is make sure that everyone has fun, including you. That's big. That is big. I often equate dungeon masters to mothers. <laughs> I would, like they're always making sure everybody's fed and prepared and has their snacks and is having it's fun in the car. and is in the yeah. car or like in the pic like taking pictures and like they're always left out because there's like three pictures of me and my kid together, but one thousand twelve hundred and forty two of you know my husband and my son together. So dungeon masters too. I sometimes feel like. They take so much of the responsibility to make sure people are having fun that it becomes less fun for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and this is kind of uh, again that that puzzle mentality or, or that building something great for them to to figure out. Uh, it, it brings me a lot of satisfaction when I've created something cool that my players figure out or or destroy or defeat because you know I've I don't know it, it's just. I don't know how do I describe it. Uh, it's very satisfying, you know, and and I find a lot of satisfaction in the telling of the story and the creating of this world for them to explore and to have fun in. And and that's really what it should be about for, for you as the DM is you should be having fun too. And like you said, I, it, it can feel um, very crazy. Uh, you are, your mind is going a million miles an hour. It's being pulled in a hundred different directions. Uh, you know, there at any moment, someone could turn on a dime and go a different direction and you've got to be prepared for that. And it could be tough, but uh, there's got to be joy in the journey of uh, of playing. Um, you know, if you're exhausted at the end or if you're not enjoying it, uh, it's probably time to give your players some feedback and and figure out how you can all work together to make sure that you are enjoying yourself too, whether it's maybe playing a little bit less often or letting somebody else run a few one-shots here and there, or maybe you need to scrap the game and, and, and run something that you'll be more interested and engaged in. There's a lot of different um, ways you can kind of address you not enjoying yourself uh, to kind of try to fix that so that it, doesn't become a burden and then you burn out and don't want to play anymore and then nobody gets to play and that's no fun. No, we need dungeon masters and you have to take care of your dungeon master. And as dungeon masters, you need to take care of yourselves too. It's very mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big responsibility to feel like you're the sole re- person responsible for everybody's good time. Yeah, yeah. Every week for three hours or whatever it is that yeah. you do, it, it, it can feel very stressful. Definitely. But yeah, uh, just just have fun with it. Your players will have fun too. And if they are not understanding, then maybe you need to find some new players. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, if they see you having a good time, then chances are they're going to follow suit and mm. and vice versa. I have a little note on my DM screen that says have fun. It's a little oh. sticky note. 
Um, that's how I help to remind myself. It doesn't say smile more, you know, that would be sad, but it does say have fun. <laughs> so, then do you look at it and, and like actually feel that reminder? Like, oh, right, yeah, right, right. That's I think good. I do. Yeah. I think I do. Every once in a while, I'll glance down and I'll see it and I'll be like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's not that I'm not having fun these days, but it's just a good reminder for myself. So it is. Put, put one on your computer, put one on your desk, wherever you need to. Yeah. It's a good reminder for life in general. <laughs> Yeah. So much of this translates to the real world. Um, this is amazing. I think I, I really like, uh, like I said, I, I love a good list. And I feel like there's probably some other topics that you're, you could uh, give us some advice on. So hopefully you will come back and uh, talk to us again. This oh, I'd love to come super back. Super helpful. Okay. Yeah. I would the, love to come back. I could talk for hours. That's why I have a podcast. That's why you have a podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and speaking of, where can people find out more uh, about your podcast? Where can they listen? Where can they just find out more about you in general? Yeah. So uh, you can find me. I'm most active on Twitter. That's at HN, the number two DM. So five characters. That's my handle. Uh, my link tree is in my bio there, but that's link tree slash HN, the number two, or linktree.com slash HN, the number two DM. So same thing as my Twitter handle. The Linktree has links to um, all of my other different socials, a couple of my guest appearances, that kind of thing. But yeah, the the podcast can be found on anchor.fm slash HN, the number two DM. Again, that's in my link tree and that kind of thing too. But yeah, my, my podcast can be found there. Uh, my podcast releases Wednesdays. Uh, usually at around 7 a.m. Eastern time. So that can be noon for, for Europe and um, in the kind of the evening time for our friends in uh, the Asia and Oceania and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I'm in the middle of my second season right now. I've had a ton of fun guests. Most recently, I had James Intracasso, who you've chatted with before. Love James. Keith Amon. Um, and most recently, one of my friends, Joel. So uh, I've also had uh, Beth the Bard, yeah, um, she's on awesome. talking about um, uh, her Curse of Strahd uh, rewrite. I've had uh, my friend Fiona, who runs the DMs Book Club, which is really cool too. So, oh, cool. tons of great creators, t- hundreds of different ideas about what to do, what to not do, uh, lots of cool stuff they're working on. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where you can find more about me. And if you are, you know, after you, you've listened to the rest of this episode and you just really loved listening to our, our guest, Johnny Stanton, you can also mm-hmm. listen to an episode that you had with Johnny on your podcast. It's true. He was my season two <laughs> uh, first guest. So, yeah, Johnny and I had a ton of fun. We made a fantasy football team together and we talked uh, a lot about all of his different hobbies. There may be some overlap. We'll have to see, but I'm sure you'll find some cool stuff uh, in there, too. Yeah, I'll definitely check that one out. I love your podcast. I love what, what you're doing um, and would love to have you come back. So very much appreciate this visit, Derek. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Shelly. It's been an honor and uh, love Dragon Talk. Uh, love all of the great stuff that you and Greg are doing. And yeah, really looking forward to hearing what you two do next. All right. Well, stay tuned. Thank you. I learned at least 45 things not to do while DMing during this I- that list is a mile long. We had a cap it at five, um, but we're going to probably have to have Derek come back and check <laughs> To complete the top 10 things not to do. Right, right. At the table.
That's yeah. super fun. Well, I think our next guest uh, is going to learn a lot from that. He's taken a crash course in learning how to DM for some people who may not be familiar with Dungeons and Dragons. And so let's get Johnny Stanton on the phone. Let's welcome Johnny Stanton to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay Thanks for having me, guys. This is such an exciting episode because as I was telling Greg before, this will be the very first Dragon Talk episode my dad is listening to. So a very <laughs> special welcome to Tom Mazanoble. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm happy to be the first, uh, what sounds like the first uh, athlete to be on here. It's kind of pretty cool. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, this We've was had wrestlers. Like, We've had uh, yeah. you know, WWE oh, yeah. the, superstars. Those guys are athletes for sure. Uh, but you know, yeah, right, exactly. This is it was really our first so you're, NFL uh, yeah. athlete for sure. There aren't there aren't too many of us in the league who play D and D. I'm trying I'm trying to grow Not that group yet. right now. Yeah, Not yet. Yes, I've seen your your tweets. It seems like you are definitely uh, doing Paylor's work out there, <laughs> trying to bring more people into the fold. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you are you're you're on the Cleveland Browns, and you got two of your your teammates to play with you, right? I do. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I. Came onto the Browns in 2020, early 2020, and didn't end up getting to really meet any of the guys on the team until we showed up um, in July. Because usually there's this spring period that I'll be leaving for in a couple of weeks where we get to, um, you know, practice together and work out. But 2020, they wanted to keep us all home. Um, during training camp, at some point, getting to know all the guys, I noticed that I already knew that Miles Garrett was a pretty big anime nerd. And he'll tell you that, you know, one of the first things he'll say to you is that he's big into anime. Hasn't quite converted me there yet, but, um, but I was able to convert him after finding out that, you know, seeing him wear a couple of stranger things shirts. So after seeing him wear it like once or twice, I'm like, Hey, you know, you ever been interested in playing the game that they play in the show? And he says, Oh yeah, it's called Dungeons and Dragons, right? I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's an actual game. They still play. It's not just like the eighties. Um, so if you're ever down, we can do it. And he seemed really into it. Uh, we got a couple other guys. We got Wyatt Teller, our, uh, our starting guard. And we had Kendall Lamb, one of our O-linemen who was on the team in 2020, wasn't with us this last year, but he was in our group as well. Um, and since then, I think we've had like six or seven sessions. We only played during the season because, you know, it's hard to get everybody together for uh, our off-season schedules. Everybody's trying to do as, as much as they can. And then even during the season, your schedule is pretty crazy. Um, we've had a, a number of, of uh, last-minute canceled sessions, but I mean, that's just, that's life of playing D&D. Yeah, so that, um, that means you're truly a D&D yes. player. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. So, you know, I'm trying to give them the full experience. We're able to play in person, which is great. Um, and, uh, you know, the only time we really had to shut that down was because it was when the NFL made me like, you know, nobody, no groups more than like three teammates outside of football. You know, they weren't letting right. us see each other. Um, so, it, you know, became very strict, but we, you know, we wanted to listen to those rules. And um, I got to wrap up the little mini campaign that was only only went for about six, seven sessions, but it took two years pretty much to do it, or mm -hmm. at least two seasons. Um, but, you know, we had the big finale um, that we had a Sports Illustrated writer there to listen in and and write a story on, which was crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, did I mean, they play or they just were no, they, they're just just watching, just listening and recording to, to do that that story that came out. Um, but once that ended, they're like, all right, what's next? I'm like, well, I don't have anything planned next. Like, do you guys want to keep playing? And, you know, assuming that I'm with the team next year. And they said, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was getting later in the year. I think it was around November that that mm -hmm. ended up, uh, wrapping up and I didn't want something to happen where it was like, okay, we can start a new arc. Uh, but we only have like a month and a half left in the season. We're not really going to be able to have a regular schedule of getting a lot of games in. So why don't we just start again next year? Like assuming that we're all going to be together still. 
Um, so that's, that's the idea. Um, I haven't really quite uh, thought of like, what's the next big thing for the story, but, um, it was a lot of fun writing that one. And, uh, honestly, in the off season, I focused on my home game running for my fiance and her family, which has been really fun. We've been going for like 43 sessions. We started during the pandemic as well. So, um, that group is super into it and it's been really fun kind of being the, of my friends, my teammates, my family being the one who kind of expands the, you know, the veins of, of D and D out into everybody. Definitely. I'm curious, like, so you see a Stranger Things t-shirt <laughs> and it's it's in the rotation more than once. So we're pretty sure like yeah. he didn't just go to Target and buy like some trendy, like, you know, right. you know how like they sell like now like David Bowie t-shirts and 12-year-olds <laughs> wear them and they're like, I don't know who this guy is. It's just a cool shirt. So we're he's a fan of Stranger Things. So you right. approach with the the D and D. With the, the, it's, the I mean it's a bold move. If it's I'm a being bold honest. move. It is yeah. a bold move, but <laughs> but you know, I was I was looking for somebody to kind of connect with on the team. I knew that you know everybody's saying Miles Huesner, you should get together with him. <laughs> um, so that was my kind of connection into you know with with Miles specifically was to try to like make that nerdy connection. And then how does the other recruitment happen? Like, are you like overt, like in the, like the the locker room, and just be like, <laughs> hey? Does anybody yeah. want to play Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> or is it more like hey, I tried to go a little bit more dude. subtle. Yeah, like, yeah. like tried, scoping people out. And- I was I would I asked ended up asking people who I thought would maybe be into it, guys that I got got along really well with. Uh Kendall Lamb was the first person I went to because he we he and I had a really good relationship. And I could tell like I ended up con- convincing him very quickly to, to um to play some like Nintendo Switch games. I forget what it was. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, like I was playing on a, some kind of a weight trip. He's like, oh, what are you playing? I'm like, oh, it's Switch game, play, play, playing like Animal Crossing or something. He's like, oh, I'm going to get that. It's like, sure, absolutely, cool. Like, we'll play together or whatever. <laughs> so it seemed like he'd be like he was up for for whatever I was like, you know, going to introduce him to. So I got him. I got him into it. I got uh, and then he is very close with Wyatt and he got Wyatt into it. So um we're, you know, I was thinking, you know, maybe a three person group would be good. And then maybe we get like one other teammate. But then Miles is like, yeah, so my girlfriend, Sarah, and my roommate, Jeremy, want to play. So that's going to be that's going to be our group. I'm like, awesome. Five people. Perfect. Perfect. Um, We'll be uh, we'll be running with that. Oh, that's yeah. So do the um, what did you want to run? What did you what did you what was the storyline that you guys were running? So I my first um, time running an actual game um, was back in college. It didn't go that great. Like we didn't have a normal schedule. I was kind of just doing my own thing, like, but it, I realized very quickly that like, oh, making a campaign is actually really, really hard. So when I ended up starting up again, running for Maddie, my fiance and her brothers, um, I wanted like, okay, why don't I actually start with a module and let's start it. Let's just do one of the starting modules. Let's do uh, Dragon of Ice Fire Peak. Mm-hmm. So I start running that. And I think that's honestly the best way for per- me personally. I don't know if other people are like this as well, but to be able to actually start a story it, like for me is to look at something that's has its roots, has its like base and then kind of flow from that. Like I kind of left that storyline very quickly and now I'm running something of my own from there. And now I thought like, okay, when I, now I'm running this campaign for my teammates, I can, um, I can make it up as, as I go. So I started in Fandolin cause that's what I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of made my whole storyline. Like there's the people that are, that are in the town that, you know, uh, play their own respective parts but um, it's, you know, I'm making it my own. I ended up making it my own. It was, it was really fun to be able to kind of figure out how to make this whole story based on actually um, an episode of Sawbones, the McElroy Brother podcast. Oh, no way. Um, where they're talking about uh, Dr. Sidney and Justin McElroy are talking about 
old death certificates and kind of like the beginning of death certificates. And there were a couple of phrases in there. Like, I, I don't know if I'm the only dungeon master like this, but if I ever hear like a two word phrase that sounds really cool and like somewhat fantasy, I will put it in my game. <laughs> so one of the, like two of the phrases uh, that really stuck out to me, I ended up only using the one was the first one was called um, uh, uh, Kingstruck um, or like Skystruck. I forget exactly what it was. The other one was mold fallen, which is supposed to mean like somebody who ended up getting sick and dying um, from like wow. an unknown cause because it's like middle ages. And I thought mold fallen, that's something. There's something there. And like it started making me think of like, okay, spores druid can kind of play into it. Something like some kind of undead. Um, so I ended up describing like starting like, what if I just start with the phrase, the, um, the tale of the mold fallen? And that's where mm. it kind of just went on from the story from there. So like uh, the villain's going to be this guy named the Mold Father who can control all these these dead who are like infected with these spores, um, and that's basically the story. That's so, so cool. Yeah, <laughs> I love that you took you know just uh, as so many writers and creators do, just like take a little bit of inspiration from yeah. here to there and everywhere, yeah. and then you know obviously you get the the input from the players and what they're excited about, mm-hmm. and it just ends up being. Something gets written about in Sports Illustrated. It's so bizarre. <laughs> I know. How did that happen? Was that did that writer just see you posting about the game? On- I mean, last October was a whirlwind. Um, so, for those of you who don't follow football on here, I uh, pl- I got to play in my second, third, and fourth game in my NFL career this last season um, when the starter went down. And uh, the second of those games was a Thursday night football game. Thursday night football is like Sunday night football. It's like Monday night football, nationally televised, prime time. Uh, a lot of people are watching it. It's also the same night as Critical Role Campaign 3 um, premiere. Oh, so I'm like, right, right, right. Like, oh, I'm, I actually, it's funny. I, they were having the, the movie tickets like, and stuff like that for that. And weeks before, I'm like, oh, I'll go, I'll go do this. I'll, like, it's going to be super late for me. So I'll like, only go for like the first or second hour of it. But then I ended up having to like uh, like refund my ticket. I'm like, oh, we have a game that night. I can't do that. <laughs> um, but I decided that'd be kind of cool to wear a Critical Role t-shirt um, and uh, post a picture of like the, everybody wears something like really nice for walking into the stadium. And I knew there would be pictures taken. So I'm like, I'll wear a Critical Role t-shirt. I'll walk into the stadium. Maybe I'll like, I'll post about it. Maybe get like a couple people to, people, couple people to like it. Um, what ended up happening is like it blew up. And because I scored a touchdown that game, I got to score my first NFL touchdown. Aww. So that was like the big thing that happened. So that was on cloud nine just because of that. But then, you know, critical role, people start following me, people in the, in the, you know, D and D space start following me. It's like, this is crazy. Like this is, you know, absolutely insane. I'm just, you know, on cloud nine riding high. Um, that next week we have a D and D game that we had planned. So uh, I thought like, well, you know, I'm, there's some Dungeons and Dragons kind of momentum for me right now how would you, how would like, I'd ask the group, like, how do you guys feel about like me kind of, you know, outing you guys as nerds and playing D and D? Cause I, I hadn't, you know, they hadn't announced that they're playing yet. Like I had kind of wanted to keep it down low, but like, if they wanted, if they wanted me to post about it and, and have that be like part of their image, basically now, like, would you guys want to do that? And they said they're down for it. So I posted the group, the, the picture of my group. So I'm like, here's my group, the heathens. And uh, that ended up taking off. Uh, and then somebody from Sports Illustrated, Alex Pruitt, uh, who's an editor, so like, hey, you know, I'm into d and I listened to the, the Adventure Zone. I'm familiar with Critical Role. I'm familiar with all these different shows. Like, would you would you be down, like, if I write a story about it? I'm like, I read Sports Illustrated as a kid, like, every week, like, with my dad. Like, he'd, yeah. you know, he'd read it and then hand it to me. And I'm looking through all the pictures and looking at all the little stories. So I'm like, heck yeah. Like, I love that. Um, so, you know, I jumped at that opportunity, had a couple of interviews with him. He actually flew out to, to a session 
um, that we had to cancel. So it ended up just being like a kind of a pre-interview with me. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up, uh, the people at Sports Illustrated were nice enough to send him back out to Cleveland for our final session, uh, which was very cool of them to do and very cool to have him there as a kind of fly on the wall at the table. So yeah, that's how that ended up coming out. And and now it's in print. I need to get it. Get it. It got printed in the Sports Illustrated for kids. But I do oh. have a, um, <laughs> you can't see it right now, but the poster that's behind my computer is actually the, the cover artwork of that. It says Dungeons and Drag Routes, a fantasy football story. And it's a picture of what used to be Miles fighting a dragon. But then I, I reached out to the artist and like, hey, I kind of really want this as a poster. Would you be able to change the 95 to a 40 and make it a white guy? And can, can I want to I want to see my image up there. That'd be pretty cool. So, yes. So now I have finally me up there. you're the dungeon yeah. master. Take back yeah. that power. <laughs> so I mean, it was a like I said, it was a whirlwind through October. You know, been continuing on and you know just trying to ride the momentum as much as I can. And then did any of your teammates, you know, not know what you guys were doing and then read that article? <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Um, I mean, it was a long article, so I'd be surprised if a lot of my teammates just kind of went after it, you know, <laughs> with, with like no prior knowledge. It's pretty um, nerdy. He does. Take out the highlight yeah. and just like, you know. Yeah, oh. there's a lot of the italics like yep. you know, spoken in the words of like what I was saying. So, yeah, it gets really nerdy. Um, I think help people maybe have commented on it, but I, I don't think that there were anybody who's like next session, like next, next season, I really want to play. Uh, maybe I can get somebody else to join us, but uh, it'll be it'll be uh, quite the uh, quite the persuasion role. Well, I'm I'm wondering. I feel like the coaches, you know, should oh, be watching you and Miles and Wyatt and being like, you know what? There's something like these guys are really playing really well together. They're very like you know, in, they're just intuitively like knowing where each other. Are. I don't even know enough about football to know if you guys are actually ever on even on the field at the same time. But Wyatt and I are. Miles and I usually are not on the same on the field at the same time. But still, like maybe they yes. you know are noticing like there's. Just like a next level teamwork happening here. <laughs> What's the connection? Oh, yeah. guess what, team? We're all playing Dungeons and Dragons next year. <laughs> It'd be pretty hard to get the fifty-two man roster all in one D and D group. Yeah, you'd, you'd have to recruit. <laughs> you'd have to recruit some more DMs for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I feel like we can make this a thing. Let's do this. We need. To I mean, I think I, I would love to be able to get more guys in the NFL playing. Just kind of like make a. You know, I would love to be able to play in some kind of charity game where it's just like athletes to be able to play. Um, that's definitely a plan for me this off season. I know it's kind of like getting to the middle of it and we need to start planning that ahead, but, um, that's definitely something that I'd be into doing and trying to recruit as many people to do it as possible. That'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. Let me know if you need any help. That's, that's please. That's yeah. Sometimes the area. Dragons can yeah. be like, we are the brand it. and we can help out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my question that I, I get asking about how the, the, the PR, uh, with sports illustrated happened, would you, did you have to maybe this is getting too much in the weeds, but did you have to like clear that through the whole team and their whole thing? Like, did they okay it? Or was there's this more a, of a personal yeah, brand thing? Obviously there's a PR department with the Browns. And uh, if it's something a little bit more um, controversial, we'd want to be able to go through them. But it's not the satanic panic anymore. And I don't, I don't think playing Dungeons and Dragons is like the most controversial thing in the world. So I just told them like, hey, just so you know, there's a Sports Illustrated writer that like wants to write a story about Dungeons and Dragons because Miles Wyatt and I play together. Like, this is cool, right? And I don't even know if I asked that, but like, that's all I would have to ask. And they'd be like, yeah, totally. No big deal at all. Like if anything, they like being able to see guys put their personal lives and like their hobbies um, onto, you know, on their social media and be able to promote, you know, themselves in that way as well. So um, I think it was overall absolutely positive thing. I don't think anybody would have really had that, that much of an issue with it. 
I love that you said it's not the satanic panic anymore. Yeah. It's not controversial. <laughs> That's probably like the best endorsement of Dungeons Dragons. Yeah, no, come play D and D. It's not about Satan anymore. <laughs> Ever was really. Hundred <laughs> percent less Satan. Now I'm going to play this for my mom. <laughs> there you go. Send her the Sports Illustrated article. I will indeed. It was very good. That's um, awesome. So when you're you play with your fiance and your fiance's family, I'm going to assume that they're not professional athletes. But maybe they, they aren't, are? no. Okay. Um, and then you play with your teammates, obviously. Is the, do you notice, like, are athletes, like, more competitive when they play D&D? Or do they just, like, instantly get that, that teamwork idea? I think what's funny is that, yes, absolutely, athletes are inherently very competitive people. Um, my fiance is one of the most competitive people I know. <laughs> and she's not an athlete. So I don't think you necessarily need to be an athlete to be super competitive. That's I will true. say that they do get very frustrated when the roles aren't in their favor. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also celebrate the most when things go well. Um, Wyatt is an absolute ham and will uh, like take advantage. He's playing a barbarian, so he gets a lot of crits. And when he when he does, like he'll stand up from the table and it's like swing his axe and it's like, and I split him down the middle and the gore covers me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Wyatt and, and Miles plays a. Um, uh, you played a rogue and then you switched to fighter. And he like tries to do all like the flashy moves, like stabbing behind his back and like, you know, draw the, you know, I, t- I stole the Matt Mercer, like, how do you want to do this? And they love taking advantage of it. So, um, no, they, they definitely, uh, enjoy the spotlight when I get to give them it. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm thinking a lot about the, I used to read stories about how, you know, in the early 2000s, football players were playing a lot of Madden. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it was an easy way to learn playbooks and like you know kind of kind of get the the more strategic side of football kind of in the brain and it was fun right yeah do you do you find that uh, the athletes in general like to think about the the tactical nature a little bit more because of that or or you know is it, is it different than that other game um they're not quite metagamers yet um, and in terms of like getting on the battlefield, like using a battle map and, and trying to see what they can best do. They'd obviously want to take advantage of, of their characters, their character sheets. But um, again, we've only played like six sessions mm-hmm. and I don't think that, uh, you know, it's rare for somebody. I've only, I only have personally so much experience DMing. So I don't know how common it is for somebody to like, right when they get into the game to like go all in it's like okay these are the rules for this specific race in this class and how the, how it can best mix and like i can best best use my bonus action on this turn and my second bonus action on the next turn and like second you know uh action surge and all that so um they they're not like uber into the uh tactical aspect of it yet i imagine that at some point that will come i think a lot of them want to like switch their characters because it's like oh i'm not really liking my blade singing wizard so like I wanna I wanna switch it up, but um, but yeah, it'll be uh, I, I'm I'm excited to the point where it's like they're into it that much where they want to actually take advantage of that. So I can really start throwing some some really tough monsters at them. That's a cool idea. Yeah, and you're right. I love that. That's how this edition makes it so much easier to just latch on to the storytelling parts of it. Right. Yeah. Like you don't you don't need to to have all of that you know, the min-maxing or the metagaming type stuff that you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, as as much as you did in previous editions. And so they yeah. just get I mean, especially since of- Tasha's, like with, you know, everything, I feel like I was always looking for, it's like, okay, well, I want to make sure my race is going into my class and like building onto that. But, you know, since Tasha's, you can play whatever you want and it just really opens up the creativity of, of like what you want to do. Yeah, and that, that's been a, you know, a, a 
important distinction that the, the designers are saying. Like we just didn't yeah. want to have to be like, well, if you're going to play a rogue, you have to play this type of of, of character that's got a bonus to dexterity. And I love right. that now that's just being uh, divorced. So yeah, what kind of you know you mentioned their classes. What what thematic characters are they playing? Like what what do they feel like? Um, well, Wyatt being an offensive lineman who is pretty much like if you ask any you know anybody who watches a lot of offensive line film. Wyatt probably leads the league in pancakes, which is putting a guy, the guy that you're blocking on his back, like hit, bring him to the ground. Um, is that a stat? I didn't know. <laughs> it's not technically a stat, but I'm sure somebody keeps track of it. Um, nice. But uh, he, I, and I, apparently he didn't name it because of this, but he named his, his uh, ha, um, half-orc barbarian flapper. And I for sure thought it was because of like flapjacks, like pancakes or whatever. He's like, oh no, I just thought it was a cool name. Like, all right. Um, Shelly, you also I have had, a character named I, Flapper. I, I was really? Meant to, I had a, it, yes, I had a character, an Aarakocra that um, was named Flapper. Oh, there you go. He flaps Flapping his wings. wings. I love yeah. it. Um, and then uh, Miles had a character. He wanted to play a rogue because he always likes playing assassins, like assassin type, type characters um, when he's playing video games. And then when we started up again um, this, w- this fall in our second season of playing, he, I think he was on a huge Castlevania kick because he messaged me. He's like, Hey, <laughs> I want, I want my character to kind of like bow out. Um, and, and like maybe sacrifice you himself for the party or like leave the party or something, because I want to make my own character and I want to make Alucard oh. from Castlevania. And he's going to, I'm going to name it Alucard and he's going to be a half vampire. And he's going to be, I want to like, I want to best create this character. I'm like, all right, we can do that. You know, it's, it's your, it's, it's your own, you know, so a lot of people like to be able to like, you know, base their character off of, you know, our, an, an existing um, yeah. um, property. And that's what he wanted to do. And he just straight up called it Alucard. I'm like, cool, man. You know, that's the, then he was, he was like, you know, playing around with the, you know, the Dampier likes. Um, I was going to ask if that's yeah, what you used. Yeah. Race. And um, yeah, he had a lot of fun with it. And um yeah, the other characters are a elven ranger that Sarah plays, and then there is a um, I forget. Oh, it's an uh, Asmar uh, blade singing wizard. So uh, I'm not sure. I think uh, uh, Jeremy, who plays the Asmar wizard, I think wants to change his class. But uh, but yeah, it'll be. Uh, we'll see when when we get into this next upcoming season. That's so cool. I well because you play football, and Greg and I work for a game company. I. I have created some games for us. Awesome. Play. Okay. Let's do it. Um, we're going to do our first game now because I was really like, as I'm like studying for this interview, I really put a lot of thought into which roles on a football team, how they translate to a role in a D&D party. And let's okay. see if we agree with each other here. I'm okay. going to give you um, the position and you tell me what role you think they play in the party. Are we talking about classes or are we talking about like, you know. Oh, we're talking uh, about classes. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Quarterback. Quarterback. Um, I'm going to say a, um, it's, it's going to be a paladin um, because paladins use that charisma. You always want a quarterback to kind of have that uh, charismatic um, face of the franchise type of thing. Um, there is a subclass I'm forgetting. It's called the, um, it's the one that was in the, uh, the Greek uh, mythology one, uh, the, like the oath of, it's like an athlete or something like that. Oh, and Theros, right. 
Yes, and Theros, thank you. Uh, it's, it's, I forget what oath, what oath it was called, but um, that's the oath I was thinking of. I've, I've thought about this, just so you know. So I'm prepared. All right. <laughs> I have thought about this before. So okay. I was going to say Paladin too, because that definitely yeah. feels like you know the leader, the yeah. the, the face uh, in, a, in a good way. I'll go with way. Paladin. Yeah, and you're going with Paladin, Greg. Yes, I think I okay. would too. I don't, it doesn't necessarily need to be a good kind of chivalrous Paladin. They can also be Oathbreaker Paladins too, but like. There's someone who is uh, the, the the charismatic one who calls the shots on the field on the on the on the battlefield. That's what a paladin does. Battle master, battle master fighter being number two for me. Yeah, yeah. I went with wizard. Okay, I <laughs> I like it. I felt like it was more like they're always got like their nose in the spell book, and like they're the ones that are like like casting the spell. And then everything kind of follows. If you can be a divination wizard as a quarterback and know exactly what play is going to be happen, like on, uh, you know, on a certain play, like what the defense is going to be in, you can you, you're going to be paid a lot of money as a quarterback. Well, I also Good really point. just needed a magic user in this party, so <laughs> that's where I slotted that one in. Okay, we're gonna the next one. Let's do your position, fullback. Um, this will be a uh, a battle rager um, barbarian. Because um, I think a lot of times they like they're supposed to be like a, a dwarf who like that's what it's based on, right? And um, fullbacks are usually a little bit smaller than me. I'm six two. I'm I'm like a, considered a pretty big fullback, but a lot of times we're the we're the like stockier guys on the team and just try to run through somebody, and we want to make it hurt when we run through you. So a battle rager has the spikes coming out of his armor, um, and we you know got to rage on the football field and just try to run straight ahead as fast as and as hard as possible. Greg. I was also going to say uh, barbarian, but I think it might be a minotaur in my in oh, my thought because they, they like the heads down, charging forward. Yeah. You know, that's what I always think of as a fullback trying to get you know on the the one yard line trying to get into the end zone. I didn't get that detailed. I simply wrote fighter slash barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. okay, two more. Okay, running back. Running back, and the the reason why I, I've I've answered these questions before, but like <laughs> just because. I, I, I'm actually very much into this like idea. Um, uh, the class I can, I think can, you can think of a couple different things. I like the idea of it being a centaur because oh. when you think of a running back, you think of a workhorse, somebody who can take you carry the ball 10, you know, five plays in a row when it's, when you're in four minute drill late in the game, you're just trying to run out the clock and a centaur is obviously, you know, as close to a horse as you can get it as playing D and D. Uh, and you want it when your running back runs into you similar to a fullback, but, you know, when he's carrying the ball, you want it, you want it to hurt for, for like them to tackle you. So I'm going to go with the centaur and I'm going to go with, um, oh man. Um, if you're going to ask me receiver, I'm going to go monk. If it was just as a, as a, uh, as a possible, I have, I have wide receiver on here. Wide so receiver. Yeah. So just as a, as a spoiler, I'm going to go with monk. So I can't go with monk for running back, but okay. I will go, um, oh man, I guess I'm going to go, uh, rogue because you yes! get that bonus action dash. You can, you know, you can you want to be a slippery too? So yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. That's what I had. <laughs> that's what I was going to say too. I was going to do rogue, like a more, and I guess I'm thinking more of the, um, uh, not the punishing running backs, but the ones who are a little bit, you know, the ones slippery, who do punt returns. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, yeah, right. So like those ones that are trying to slide and get around mm-hmm. uh, people as much as possible. That's that's how I think of a an elvish rogue uh, trying oh, yeah. to get around the battlefield. Okay. All right. Making then- surgical strikes. You're thinking more like Darren Sproles. I'm thinking more Derrick Henry. You know, just a small running back versus the big running back. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. All right. And then we wide receiver. You said a monk. I'm going to go with monk because the monks have that, you know, uh, deflect missiles. If you roll high, you can catch it. Um, mm. 
so that's what I'm going to go. I'm going to go with uh, Tabaxi Monk because Tabaxis are the fastest characters, the fastest race. So I'm going to go with uh, go with that. Oh, we were gonna. I I went with Ranger, like they were okay. like scouting <laughs> scouting like, yeah, things out, it. and you know, like look looking ahead and making sure <laughs> seeing what's out there. And yeah, I love it. Okay. All right, like, that's, Ranger's that's, a good one. I, w- I might just do something weird and be sorcerer, right? Because they 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 can do oh, yeah. a couple of things really really well, right? And so wide receivers are all about just getting out in front of uh, whoever they are trying to to, to uh, who's guarding against them and just getting that ball. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was trying to find a role for a cleric, and it's a little cheesy because I couldn't find like an actual role on like a position. So then I Head thought. Trainer. Well, I mean that was kind of <laughs> yeah. the obvious choice, but what about the fans? There you and go. Like, yeah, I think I think the fans could be a bard as well because we're ooh, giving us that true. encouragement from the sidelines. Yes, yeah. all that bardic inspiration when yeah. they start cheering for you. The cheerleaders. Yeah. The yeah so I was trying to to place the cheerleaders too, and I the only thing I could think of is like cheerleaders remind me of of the spell mirror image, like especially like when they're okay. in formation <laughs> and they all are like they're all in the same uniform. And it's I love just, it. you know, yeah, so that's perfect. Yeah. But yeah. I need I, I almost put them as clerics too, because of or I guess bards, the bardic inspiration. So or the coaches. Maybe the coaches are the clerics. They're the ones who are uh, lots of clerics. You need lots of clerics in, in football. The coaches are the smart ones, so I'm gonna give them wizard. Yeah. The sp- the, <laughs> that that is like a better translation of the spellbook analogy, I guess. <laughs> right? With all the playbook, the, spellbook, there you go. Yeah. They're looking at and the exactly. communication, being able to talk to basically everyone at the same time through their Magic divination headsets. Oh yeah. Yes, and like in hiding what they're saying when they talk. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'm. That's how I'm going to cast spells now. As I have to assume because coaches do do that, and I have to assume that every team employs some kind of lip um, lip reader because you know you don't do it. You know, I, pitchers do it in baseball too when they you know have the catcher come to the mound and like. Oh yeah, with the glove. Yeah, so yeah, I, there has to be a lip reader on every single team, just seeing if they slip up once. Have you ever? I mean, I'm sure you've seen like the bad lip reading. That's, oh yeah. Those it's are great. some of every, my favorite every, yeah. entertainment. Every NFL season, they come out with a new one. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I blame uh, I blame Belichick for all this. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, if we have time, we can play another game later. But um, I love fun. doing stuff like that because you're right. Like it, the way com- competitive things map to uh, you know the teamwork on a. Deal, and that's why we say when kids are are, are learning all about working together. Like Dungeons and Dragons is is basically teaching you that without realizing that you're te- you know you're being taught it right. Yeah, absolutely. T- teaches communication, teaches teamwork. You know, they call football the ultimate team game because for something to be successful, every single person needs to do something right. And you know, if you're in battle and you know your face is facing against the boss, like you want everybody to be able to make sure that they're doing the right thing and make sure that you're working together as a team. We should all athletes should be playing D and D. It's true. <laughs> um, How do well, we sing this from the mountaintops? <laughs> we start now with Johnny. Um, so you obviously you've you've talked about teaching a lot of people about Dungeons and Dragons and got pe- got them started and have been you know the first dungeon master for a lot of people. I am interested in teaching everybody that wants to learn how to play as well. So do you have any like are there any strategies that you always employ when you're bringing new people into the game or does it vary group by group? I'd say. Um, the one thing I've always tried to do is match the energy level of the person who's interested. Obviously, you want them to be wholeheartedly like gung ho about it, 
But if somebody's like, if, you know, with some of my teammates, they kind of were like a little bit hesitant. like, you know, it's going to be a whole night of like, you know, three to four hours of playing. It's like, yeah, you know, it will be. So like, you know, kind of match their energy on like making their character, building a backstory, that kind of thing. It's like, be very forgiving with that sort of thing. Um, but you want them to, you, you want to make them feel powerful. And if you're setting them up to, you know, at level one or level two, and you're making them fight against something that's like really tough, they're not going to necessarily feel like it's, you know, the maybe super fair or, you know, it's, it, I think getting an, a beginner into D and D want to make them feel powerful very quickly. And the better, the more you can do that. Uh, I think the more they'll be invested and finally, you know, get invested in their character. So there's, there's plenty of things that you can do. I'm probably not like, I'm, I'm by no means am I the best person to be the first DM or like, you know, to give out that kind of advice. But in my experience, I'd say that's what has worked for me. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of, a lot of sense. Like, obviously you don't want, okay, you're, here's your first opportunity to, to do something, roll the dice and. Yeah. You. I think the worst thing you possibly do is have like a, <laughs> TPK or player death or something like that on like the first session. Or yeah, like, maybe not. I don't know if I want to keep playing this. But yeah. you, you bring up a good point even before you get down to the table, right? Like you can, uh, I don't want to say oversell Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. You can turn somebody off from it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're like, okay, well, now you're going to get this from Xanathar's and then you're going to do this yeah. subclass and then you're going to do that. And they're like, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I thought we were just going to roll some dice and have fun. Mm-hmm. You're giving me all this homework, all these books yeah. I have to read before we do it. I think that can sometimes. Uh, you know, there's definitely some players who that's that's what they want. They want that level of of expertise to be able to bring to the game. But some people, especially probably a lot of the folks uh, on the athlete side of things, would just be like, you know, I I want it to feel like a poker night, right? Like just right. come, I'm gonna a little show prep, up, have yep. fun, uh, and then the the love and the depth will develop over time. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you do about character creation? Are you do you generally? Do you help them make characters or do you let just give them pre-generated characters? No, I help them make characters. I, I think what's worked best for me in the past is actually um, there are a lot of different um, flow charts that you can find of uh, saying like, okay, do you want to play a magic user? Do you want to play a fighter? Or like a, you know, a, a non-magic user, a martial character, or do you want to use a mix? And I feel like a lot of beginners, like you know, I want to use a mix. We're like, well, okay, we'll we'll go with that. And like, you know, maybe we'll adjust it at some point. Because uh, it's like the hardest thing to do. <laughs> yeah, right. But, um, we'll start with multi-classing. Yeah, we're going to choose a Sorlock, you know, Sorlock it in. <laughs> like make as much, you know, martial as, and, and magic as possible. Um, no, and then uh, the same thing with uh, with with race. Um, it's, a you know, not quite as like linear of a flow chart. But um, I I think that's been, what's worked best for me is just like searching like D&D class flow chart. And then uh, I know it seems like a lot, like there's a lot of things on this page, but just kind of like go through this and see what comes up. Yeah, uh, and that's worked well for me. There's a nice true. way to do that too, just in conversation. Be like, do you like you know yeah. Legolas and Lord of the Rings, or do you are you more of a Gandalf person? Yeah, yeah, giving them points of reference that will make sense. And then when you so with the homebrew stuff, do you ever uh, incorporate some familiar elements into that just to you know like help them get invested in the story, or is it yeah um, not necessary? I. Personally, I like to go with like pretty much the full like escapism thing, like not try to reference anything. Um, there is a, um, you know, Barstool had a podcast that uh, well, it still does called Pardon My Take, where they brought in uh, for a while. They're playing Dungeons and Dragons. I don't listen to it anymore. I used to listen to it. But um, they they brought in a DM to run Dungeons and Dragons for the for them. And they had us all these like 
included inside jokes for like relating to sports, relating to like different specific people in sports. Um, so I, I mean, it, it ended up really investing them into the game and like they had their own jokes about it. Um, so I think that's probably a great way to be able to get some sort of like kind of meta joking into the, uh, into the game, because I think what you're hoping for in D and D, no matter what is a great experience. And when you can have like the, the best feeling is seeing that person, you know, like whether you're out at dinner or just hanging out, like at school, on your at work and have some kind of inside joke that relates to that game. Like that's probably, that's like gotta be the coolest thing is just having that be a, a part of your life that you have, you have that like connection towards them now. So um, yeah, I, th- I think having those inside jokes or having something that relates to anything, something outside of what, you know, without overdoing it is probably a great way to kind of, you know, in, uh, involve, involve that part of your friendship. That's a cool way to do it for sure. I've had people who have tried to do like entire campaigns based on them being all friends and then going into another world and things like that. So that, yeah. can, uh, that can be fun too. But you know, you uh, you mentioned you play a lot of video games uh, and uh, as well have a Twitch channel where you're painting miniatures. Oh, yeah. How's that going? Yeah, I got a bunch of them over here right now. I've been working on the gang of Abishai's. You guys can can see it here on the Zoom Ooh. call. Oh, the yeah. Podcast, like so staff. none of you guys can see it. Trust <laughs> us. Um, yeah, I've been uh, going through this gang of Abishai's. I've got three of the five done right now. But um, I've I, I kind of started last year. I wanted to make a Twitch channel for her video game for... Um, you know, having my teammates join me playing Halo or, you know, whatever I want to play. And then I just like, you know, it would be fun to like, I want to get more into mini painting. What if I just did that, like along with, you know, some of my viewers and they ended up enjoying it way more than me playing video games. I must not be very good at video games. (laughs) Very relaxing to watch. Yes, it really is. Yeah. And it's it's relaxing to be able to have that conversation while doing it. Mm -hmm. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, my Twitch channel, while being very sporadic on it because my schedule is just everywhere, right. um, it's been mainly me plant, painting minis. Um, but I have some cool ideas. I want to get Wyatt on there and do like kind of a paint along. I have one of the um, the WizKids um, Manticore paint night kits here yeah. that I sent to Wyatt as well. So I'm gonna we're both gonna paint that at the same time. And um, once we can get you know our crazy off season schedules worked out. Uh, and I have a couple other people in mind to be able to do that with. And um, if that goes well, then, then we'll be moving forward with that. But uh, yeah, I want to be able to make my Twitch channel not be like something that's like very one-sided and be like the one, one the same thing every night. I want it to be like, oh, like join me for playing video games, join me for playing, you know, talking with friends or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think like the thing about painting minis is it's a really good way to have a conversation with another person like which yeah. i think i think would be interesting to hear two athletes teammates or not you know just chatting it up while you happen to be painting activity or painting minis yeah absolutely that's what that's what i'm hoping for is that you know it'll just be like me and wyatt talking like we you know do yeah. every day during the season but now there's you know a handful of people watching on twitch this uh us play you know us paint these minis and see how good or bad we do it <laughs> Well, I, who knows? My dad might even tune in to watch that now. Perfect. I'm sure by now he's a huge fan of Dragon Talk and all things, <laughs> all things Dungeons and Dragons. Only took him seven years. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, I, we, Shelly and I did that too. We had a, a paint along uh, and I remember drinking a lot of red wine and getting lost in the details while just having a wonderful conversation. <laughs> it was, with, yeah. With Shelly and V, uh, who at the time was at WizKids. It was just... 
super fun. I, I there's lots of nerddom fandoms out there. You mentioned anime before. That's not one that I've been able to to penetrate, and mini painting is not one either. But that's where a next level up uh, uh, could be. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely an a, an extra step into like the uh, the nerddom that is tabletop role playing games and stuff. And it, it's, I wanted to start doing it because I was running my games and I you know got tired of using the little chess pieces for every character. It's like, what it'd be really cool to be able to have this like you know actually be characters. And two years ago, I ended up um, doing uh, the Hero Forge minis for my group, um, like painting them. You know, not painting them, but having them printed, painted, and gave that to them for Christmas presents. So. Oh, um, that was cool. a that was a cool a fun, fun thing I was able to do. Now we just have to get you and Superman Henry Cavill uh, together to paint <laughs> some more Hammer miniatures. Oh yeah, he's he's on he's on the Twitch channel next week. You know we're gonna we're gonna be painting together. <laughs> no, that'd be very cool. I know him, yes. Raul Cooley, um, all those Warhammer guys are like really into it and much much better painters than I am. You yeah. gotta start somewhere. It's like D anD D, right? <laughs> you just you just gotta you know, throw your hat I, in the ring. Yeah. I would have thought that Minnie's painting would have been a great pastime for Tom Brady in his retirement, but alas. <laughs> yeah, that didn't <laughs> he's last <back>. long. <laughs> Everybody's joking that he just was home with his kids for like two weeks and was. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go get beat up by enormous men instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, one thing that I read, I think it was in that the Sports Illustrated article, was that you had mentioned trying to find the balance between like, you know, you want your, your players to feel powerful and cool and like accomplished, but, um, and, and challenge them, but not challenge them too much. Right. A little bit like kind of like what we were talking about earlier is you don't, you, you don't want somebody's first experience to just be just abject failure. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like any good story. You know, there needs to be conflict and the conflict can really frustrate some people. I've talked to, I've talked to Maddie, my fiance several times about, you know, she, she'll sometimes get frustrated at the table of being like, I don't want this bad thing to happen to the people that, you know, in my, in my game that I created or like people that my character loves. I'm like, I get that. And I don't, you don't <laughs> want bad things to happen to you, but won't it feel so much sweeter that won't the success feel so much sweeter when you've had to really, really work for yeah, it. Exactly. Uh, and when there's been failure after failure after failure, and then you finally get this big success, it just feels that much sweeter than if it just happens like, you know, after success, after success, after success. So um, it's a hard thing to balance. I mean, not only yeah. do you have to be a storyteller and, a, you know, and, a, and a, a fairly good storyteller to be actually be able to accomplish that well, but you also have to have it work in the game because, you know, with a couple bad dice rolls, your characters might all be dead with a couple dice rolls on their side. It won't feel like you're, you know, really climactic cathartic boss fight will have mean anything to them. So um, it's a really hard thing to balance. You kind of have to like get this mathematical, you know, side of your brain and the creative side of your brain and kind of mesh it together and hope that the randomness works out well. Yeah, it's hard. That's one thing that I, I'm not anywhere near like an experienced dungeon master. I've only dabbled around with um, like mostly the essentials kit. Um, but I've, I can already see that balance is an area that I would really struggle with especially because i've been playing with kids and i find it so hard to like see them struggle yeah (laughs) but you're right like it has it just means so much more when they know that they've worked for it as well and i don't want to give them the the false hope that you know in life they'll always have a very generous dungeon master who will just clear a path for them right (laughs) no but it's uh yeah it's 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 fun to see that you know 
I think I, I had to learn to give that, you know, advice, like to give them, give the new players a chance to feel powerful at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and that's, I've, I've made that mistake in the past. And when they, when you get failure after failure at the beginning, you know, it can be really disheartening. If you can get that little bit of success at the beginning, and then you start getting failures, you're like, I need that, I need that bit of success just back. I need it back just like just a little bit and just get a taste yeah. of it. And um, yeah, that's when you kind of get that, like, you know, the ad- addiction to being the hero in the game and or something like emotionally, you know, um, just something emotional happening to your character, you know, in their backstory that paid off after 20 sessions. So um, it's just, there's a reason why a lot of people love Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, it's, it's really fun to be able to get those little great pieces out. Do you watch, um, you know, you mentioned Adventure Zone and stuff like that. Do you, have you paid attention to all the other folks that are out there playing and, and have you learned anything from, from watching Dungeon Masters? Oh, yeah. No, I, um, I started off with the Adventure Zone, learning about it soon after I started playing Dungeons & Dragons in college. Um, so he, that was my first adventures on balance was my first introduction to the fact that like D and D is a source of media as well. Since then I caught up with critical role. Um, I'm trying to catch up with, um, NADPOD. I'm trying to catch up with, um, dimension 20. I caught up with dungeons and daddies. I've actually become like friends with Beth May from that podcast. Um, so and I'm in Southern California during the, during my off season. So like, this is kind of the hub of like where all, yeah. you know, TTRPG players live and, and, you know, work in the off season. So, um, or, you know, when, during their lives, during my off season. So I'm, uh, I, I'm having a lot of fun and not only catching up with the shows that I love, but also like getting to meet some people of, of those shows that I just absolutely love. So. Yeah, out of those you mentioned, probably like 75% of them live in Southern California, right? So yeah, exactly. So I'm in the perfect spot for it. <laughs> That's super cool. Yeah. And then when when more uh, public events start happening and things like that, uh, it's I, I can't wait for there to be more melding of minds happening. Yeah. No, it's, it's I'm excited for, you know, the pandemic has made everybody kind of shy away from doing all that and for, for absolutely good reason. So I'm excited for actually people to be able to come together too. Yeah. And so you've also been on some other Twitch streams and actual play streams as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Uh, I've been able to play a couple times with Level One Geek. Um, they do a really great job of mixing and matching. You know, they do some Dungeons and Dragons. They do some. I played a game called Ten Candles, which was my introduction oh, yeah. to the game. But I love that now, so I'm I'm planning on playing that with you know every every Halloween. I want to be able to do a Ten Candles game. Um, my previous Halloween um, TTRPG was Dread, um, the one with the Jenga tower. So I've I've loved that one, but I I love the fact that Ten Candles. You need just the the hint, the, the slightest hint of a story, and then everybody kind of just gets to add to it together. So you just it just becomes more of an improv game than a um, than actual like setup story that everybody's playing. Um, and then uh, I got to try my hand at Call of Cthulhu with people over at Spot Hidden. They do a great show on their Twitch channel. Um, but yeah, uh, I I've because of football, I've had limited experience being able to do as much as I would love to, as much as I'd like to do. Um, but I'm, I'm more than willing to do as, as much as I can during this off season. Cause you know, this, this off season, I want to take as much, as, as much advantage of, um, playing, you know, role-playing games as possible. 
When you're when the football season ends, that's when you're you know open <laughs> season D, on D&D. That's D&D. when D and D season starts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, you bet you you started playing in college. I didn't realize that. I thought you would. Uh, I thought you just jump in the last couple of years. So when t- tell us a little that bit. That probably about is that. the last couple of years. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, I think twenty seventeen. Spring of twenty seventeen was when I started playing. Ancient history. Um, then. Ancient Long history. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The, um, Maximum Comics over in Las Vegas, because I went to UNLV, uh, was where I got introduced to D&D and um, got to uh, create my first character um, uh, that was a tabaxi uh, rogue um, oh, nice. and uh, had a lot of fun with it and just exploded from there. Were you playing only with like people in the store or was it like classmates? Like how did it how That's did it the come? thing. Like it was it was a bunch of people who were regulars at the store who wanted to play D&D and some of them were friends, but I I and I got to know some of them through playing. But what I was really wanted was to be able to play with existing friends and I didn't know anybody. I still I don't think any of my existing friends knew Dungeons and Dragons before I either met them through Dungeons and Dragons or uh or like led them to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up asking a couple of my nerdier uh, teammates at UNLV if they wanted to play in a game. And that's, that was my first experience in dungeon, ma- dungeon mastering. Uh, and we didn't end up having like, a lot of sessions, but we had a lot of fun w- with what we did. Yeah. Wow. So you've always been the one who's been bringing it to the athletes. Yeah. Yeah. It's because <laughs> when you, you know, I, I, I have heard that you guys are like a little bit more like theater kids, like growing up and stuff like that. And <laughs> I wasn't that. And I was fully in like, the sports space. And I didn't, you know, didn't really branch out much from there. I had my own hobbies and stuff, but it was like, all of my friends were my teammates. All of my friends were other athletes. So, you know, trying to break down that, like, um, the division between jocks and nerds and whatever is, uh, and theater kids and dorks. theater kids yeah. is, uh, my life mission now, I think. That's great. I love that too. Did you ever, uh, see the, I'm sure you did the movie dazed and confused. It's a, I haven't. It's on my list. I have not seen it yet. What I love about that movie is that it's from the seventies. There is definitely yeah. like this jocks and you know misfits type yeah. of thing, but they don't really acknowledge it. They're all if you're friends, you're friends. You know, right. if you like to drink beer, or, you know, uh, a party, you're going to have uh, fun no matter what your group was. And oddly enough, that was my high school experience too. Was the theater kids hanging out with the people around the the football team, the basketball yeah. team, because we were all just I don't know. Like okay. drinking beer together, yeah. I guess, or whatever. <laughs> um, and so that, I, when I tell people that, they're like, oh my God, that, your high school was like that? That doesn't make any sense. That's not my experience because that's, you know, it was very different. But like, it can happen. And I love that you are the person, you know, that's being like, no, look, you can, you can have, um, you know, uh, interests that feel like they might be on opposite poles, but they're really not. And this is how they connect. And I think I feel like it'd be boring to have like all of your friend group have the same exact life experience, life experience. And like to be able to bring in people who have experienced different things, who like different things that just makes, you know, hanging out with different people that much better. And that's what a D and D party is. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You have different skills and talents and backgrounds and you all come together to have a common goal. It all comes back to D and D. It really does. Do you want to play another game? Let's do it. Let's do it. I close it out with another All game. Right. This one is about mascots. Okay. Okay. As Are we talking dun- all sports or just football? Just football. Okay. Okay. As a dungeon master, let's pretend you can bring out any of these monsters, um, rate them on a scale of one to five. Five being like the coolest, oh my God, they're going to totally TPK the party. One being like, put them in the concession stand. They're not doing right. anything for my party. A Seahawk. 
A seahawk. Uh, <laughs> it depends. Is it like rock? Is it like rock sized or is it like seahawk sized? I actually don't really know what size a seahawk is. <laughs> I think it's basically like <laughs> just like a like a seagull, like a. Um, I think there is a seahawk. It's just some like bird of prey. Uh, I'll say I'll give it a two. Okay. What if it was? <laughs> All right. Um, am, I not, am I not playing this game right? <laughs> no, you're playing exactly right. I'm just like a little offended that you're not more threatened by our home team's mascot. <laughs> uh, okay, a buccaneer. A buccaneer's got to be, you know, it's at least a three or a four because you know those are those guys are ruthless. Same thing with Raider. Pretty much the same thing. Yes, uh, I would agree with that. How about a dolphin? <laughs> a dolphin seems more like a party, like pet or like ally. Have so you, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with more of like a two. You haven't heard terrible things about dolphins. I have heard some bad things about dolphins. I'm, <laughs> Let's not go there. I'm not going there either. No, I'm like they're not like as gentle. Okay, sure. Um, but sure. Um, uh, a Viking. A Viking. I mean, that's right there up there with with buccaneer. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say the the ruthlessness of Vikings, I think, pushes it up to a five. But I, I don't know. Maybe we want to limit fives. So I'll say a four. I think a five is going to be like maybe one, maybe two. Okay. Uh, I might have a five on this list. Okay. Ram. A ram, I'm going to go with three. Okay. Um, and how about a giant? A giant's a five. All right. That's what Easy. I thought that's, the five was. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's your perfect. one five. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And if then maybe. get into hockey, we get the Seattle Kraken. Oh, that's a five for sure. Yeah, Obviously, a that's a five. Yes, maybe we could get the Giants to change their name to something cooler, like like the Frost Giants or something. Like, let's be more descriptive here. Come on. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that reminds me. Didn't our, our boss Nathan Stewart at one time made a during this period? It was a uh, March Madness um, uh, bracket of NFL teams if they were if they were monsters if they were D and D monsters. <laughs> and so it was like I, I, I remember one of like the Northern out. California Mykonids. Uh, because they were into oh, I remember this. right, and then I think Frost Giants was the the one the team from New York. Yeah, God, that's that on our sense. website somewhere. I have to go find it, but uh, I think you'd get a kick oh, out of it. It wasn't for basketball. It wasn't for basketball. It was, but it was football, and he used the football helmets, but with D and D monster art on it. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's some more inspiration for you should you run out of monsters to pepper in your campaigns. <laughs> I feel like that'd be a fun little like one shot or maybe campaign where you end up fighting like through like the rounds of all like the NFL mascots. That's pretty great. Yeah. yeah. And then like you could actually like use the mascot, like the person in the costume as like yeah. who they're go. fighting. Because some of them yeah. are actually kind of scary looking. <laughs> I think Phillies. that's the, yeah, that's definitely the point. Yeah. The Phillies fanatic. I mean, Phillies there's fanatic something going on there. How Gritty, would you say a Phillies? Yeah. Yes. And Gritty, then, should, Gritty should have a step lock. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're on it. We're on it. <laughs> All right. Well, stat. We're gonna start statting up some mascots here. Uh, I noticed that you didn't put the Browns on that list. because it's a dog. <laughs> so, so no. So that's the thing. So the Browns are. Uh, there I are two it. different mascots that we have on, for the Browns, and one of them is the dog. But then we have a second mascot um, named Brownie the Elf. So um, what? So we do have an Elven mascot, which is like about as D and D as it gets. Yeah. How? Where'd that come from? You gotta look. There's some. That's like our older logo. You'll you'll you look it up if you look up Browns mascots and Browns um, Browns logos. Okay. The brownie. I'm thinking is that is that from Willow? The the two like fairy like type uh, creatures. I think a brownie elf is like an like old fake creature, mythological like fake creature. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I didn't know idea that. that I didn't was know that. I would have. I would have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. There are some the teammates who didn't realize, like early on in the year, it's like, hold on, we have another mascot that's not a dog. Like, yeah, it's an elf. There you go. You can you can see it up in the, at the stadium. Brownie the elf. That's D and D right there. Where did this originate? And does <laughs> and does it belong in football? <laughs> Whoa, that's I think it does. <laughs> I think it does. <laughs> oh, the, Brownie the elf is adorable. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what great. you want in a mascot. Adorable. Yeah. Like a dog, the do- <laughs> I, I am. I am a fan. I would have S- absolutely. Sj Swagger Junior is a good. Is a, he's a good boy. Yeah. Oh, he's he run, a good boy. He, he runs across the state, the field before our games. Do you guys watch Ted Lasso? Yeah, of course. I'm not going to bring up that horrible episode thing. one. This is it's heartbreaking. <laughs> Football is <laughs> death. Uh, <laughs> season two, episode one is a heartbreaker. It made me laugh so much. All right. Well, it's yeah. if, if nothing else, you have proved that D and D belongs in the NFL here, Johnny. Nah, absolutely. I love it. Nah, I'm, uh, one of uh, call it, you know, spread the word from the mountains, from the mountaintops. I dig it. Well, how can people, if they listen to this interview, uh, find out more about what you're doing, your Twitch channel, invite uh, you to their about- streams? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm on. Uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Johnny Stanton Ivy J O H N N Y S T A N T O N I V fourth, and uh, as well on Twitch. So you'll find me. If I'm uh, if I have a free night, you'll find me painting minis on my Twitch channel. That's awesome. And are you the fourth in your family? I am. Yeah, I have Stanton IV on the last on the back of my jersey. Because oh. you know, that's the most uh, a fantasy thing ever, too, that you're like fourth in the line. You got to keep on the family name. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. House Stanton. Yeah. House, yeah you're going to have to add more consonants and more apostrophes to your last name. <laughs> <laughs> like really D&D it it's up. That's true. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> <Stantolian. laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I know, you, like you said, you got a busy schedule and things going on, but we caught you right at the right moment. Yeah. No, this, was, this was great. I really appreciate you guys having me on and I had a lot of fun. And yeah, please and let, let us, us know. know. Yeah. Please Jelly let us know any um about if you do any of your uh, charity endeavors because we would obviously love to help you if we can. I absolutely will. Thank you so much. And uh if you're ever uh, in Seattle, you know I'll make my way over to Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. Please absolutely. come see literally where the magic is made. <laughs> we will happily bring you guys in for a little tour. Heck yeah. Cool All stuff. Right. Awesome. Thanks so much, Shani. Yeah, thank you guys. What a wonderful combination of athlete, mm. uh, dungeon master, and just all around nice guy Johnny is. So right? so nice. My expectations were all met, and I had high expectations. My expectations were exceeded. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word actually, and I wanted to say that, but I was like, I couldn't think of the word exceeded. <laughs> that's that's why I like to help you out. I like to give you that that word choice, like we did in our book. Uh, Thank Welcome you. to Dragon Talk. Oh, coming out this September. That's right. I can't believe it. We just turned in another draft of it. Uh, hopefully, we're, we're getting closer and closer to that extra finish line. It's very close now. It's like six months. I know. That's very soon. Book baby. So we can't wait to tell you all about what's going on in that book baby and how you can potentially <laughs> uh, pre-order it. We'll give you all that information, but it is exciting. It really is. Longtime listeners will recognize many of the essays and guests as well as there's a lot of stuff in there that uh, nobody really knows anything about. We Very personal disclosures. We personally disclose many things. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> if, you're, if you've ever wondered what my life in middle school was like, this book is for you. That's it. Yeah. Uh, super fun. Uh, and if you want to find out anything that's going around 
with Dungeons and Dragons, go to DungeonsandDragons.com. That's a good way to start. You can go to Wizards underscore DND on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Find out all about the amazing books and stuff that is coming out from Dungeons and Dragons, including mm, Critical Role, Call of the Nether Deep is out there now. Fresh new. Fresh and new. And we got some new fun news coming your way soon. So which I'm much. going to allude to briefly by just saying... Stop it. You I was make going me to nervous. say Sagittarius. <laughs> <sighs> okay. <laughs> I will say Capricorn. Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Yes, I am Aquarius. Did if you, you would that? like to follow along with all of my awful singing, you can go and follow me on the Twitters, at Greg Tito, uh, at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. I also host a podcast called Re-Engage that is all about Star Trek, the next generation, watching each episode as well as talking about the current events that happened when it first aired, which is super fun. especially That's so cool. Since the Berlin Wall just came down when the, the episodes that we're listening to now. So it's all this crazy history is happening while... Uh, the sci-fi writers at, at Star Trek Next Generation are, are dramatizing those events. It's so cool. I think that's such a cool concept for a podcast. I it's really do. It's super fun. Good. Uh, you can follow me at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. And that soon-to-be podcast that you're starting up. Yes, with your wife. Yeah. I can't, I can't quit the Tito's when it comes to podcasting. More Tito's. <laughs> Soon I'll, do, I'll be doing a podcast with each of your daughters as well. They would uh, love that for sure. I and I would as well. Awesome. Well, uh, it is time to turn to what's going on with Drunky Two-Shoes. She is oh. in a drag-down fight with some doppelgangers in the basement of a grocery store in Waterdeep. And the doppelganger you are now grappling with on the floor that is covered with doppelganger goo and muck and uh, remains as well as two unconscious or an unconscious guard. Um, he dropped his, uh, he was trying to trick you. He dropped his uh, performance and basically said, I'm going to destroy you and the rest of your filthy city. And he attacks you uh, straight up uh, with a slam attack. Jeez. And he rolled a one. <gasps> a- Critical uh, miss. Uh, 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 and so uh, 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 he attempts to headbutt you, um, but through maybe not even an intentional move on your own, you're trying to squirm, trying to, because you had just shot him with a firebolt. And so maybe your, your, your uh, motion after that, he did not expect. And he headbutts the ground upon yeah, where you are and does five damage to himself. Are you kidding me? Uh, and knocks himself out cold. He is Stop completely it. unconscious right in front of you. Even, actually, I'm going to say on top of you. Oh. So you've got this wet, gross, gooey, uh, burning stench, uh, limp, unconscious doppelganger body on top of you. I say, oh, for God's sakes. Can I just, uh, like, try to shove him off of me? Yeah. Yeah, and you're like, oh, almost like shudder Blech. and blah, 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 get him off there. Do you stand up? Does, does he have keys to my shackles anywhere on his person? Uh, actually, yeah, as you flop him off, uh, you do see, hear a, uh, a ring of keys kind of fall off uh, from his uh, belt that he was wearing. Okay, I'm going to go grab those keys and I'm going to run up the stairs. The okay. Oh, First, can I, I just get have up a picture of you as Tabaxi just like like doing like a shutter trying to like yeah. shake Blah. off all of the muck that you're currently on. Absolutely. It's feeling real gross up in here. Okay. 
Uh, you, uh, you, you said you want to go up the ladder? I'm assuming I cannot use the keys myself to undo my own. Um, I think I think you can. You know, okay. your 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 tabaxi wrists are more agile than your human than your human counterparts. Well, I'm gonna take off the shackles, and then I'm gonna. Can I shackle his wrist to something? Can I yes, put them on absolutely. him? Okay. Uh, is there what like a to? is there like a big sturdy shelf down there, or like a pipe or something? Um, no, but there is that ladder, the actual ladder. Oh yeah, is. let's. I'll drag his gooey body there and shackle him to the ladder. Okay. Uh, and he, he, the doppelganger is still unconscious and now attached to the ladder. Okay. And I have the keys. And you have the keys. So I will go running up that ladder and see uh, what the heck is going on upstairs. Okay. Uh, there's no one. In, uh, you will go up into like the the back chamber of this grocer. Uh, there's nobody in there right now, but you hear shouting coming from the street, not the alley. You guys have entered from the alley, kind of sneaking around to the back. Yes. But from the street that's in the front of the store, you hear a large commotion, and you kind of glance out the uh, the windows there, and you can see that every halfling, uh, human, elf, tabaxi that's kind of out there is all kind of like looking and pointing up. Is Daryl and Samson there? You can't see them. Okay, I, I look where they're looking. You, you have to go outside. I'll go outside. Okay, so you go out the front of the store uh, and you see a representation of a what looks like a very, very, very tall doppelganger, like 200 feet tall. What the and it's hell? Reaching, <laughs> and he's like trying to picking up people and it's got uh, Samson the- in one hand and you see uh, Daryl underneath with his bow trying to shoot. He's at- got Samson in his hand. Yes, and we will I'm- pick it up. Next time. There. Like the Stay Puff uh, doppelganger man. The Stay Puff doppelganger man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love it. Thank you. Thank you.